welcome to the House of Style podcast, a conversation series where we talk to prominent Australian interiors figures about their design journey, what inspires them and where they're headed. This is a deep dive into their past, present and futures, discussing what it takes to become an iconic figure in today's interiors landscape. With our background as style editors, we've crossed paths with some incredible furniture and homewares brands, designers, artists and makers. This is our way to share their inspiring stories with you, the listener. I'm interior stylist Kerry ann Jones. And I'm interior designer John O'Fleming. And welcome to the House of Style. Welcome back to season three of House of Style. We're finally back. Thank you so much for your patience waiting for us. 2020 was a bit rough, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a tough year and we thought, oh, we'll be at home. We'll have plenty of time to record podcasts, but it was a hard time for everyone. We are back now and we cannot wait to get into this season. Yes, this season is all about colour. We're chatting to the designers who are known for using it, the artists that are inspired by it, and the creatives that bring it into your home. Colour plays such an important role in our day-to-day lives. It can affect mood, it can bring joy, it can trigger memories and nostalgia. There's just endless ways that we can explore it. So we've chosen a wonderful selection of guests who are experts when it comes to using colour starting with Sarah Jane Pike from the world-renowned interior design firm Arndt & Pike. This was such a great chat with Sarah Jane, and who better to kick this season off than with someone who is at the absolute top of the industry? Yeah, their work has been seen on every magazine cover, posted all around the world online, and with a wide collection of awards, there's no wonder they're one of the most sought-after design firms. We chatted to Sarah Jane about working as a duo with Juliet, how to change clients' approach to colour with some clever wording, as well as the best place to eat in Sydney. So let's get into it. We've made you wait long enough. And thanks for joining us on The House of Style. Today we are joined by Sarah Jane Pike from Arendt and Pike. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's such a thrill to be here. So... As we always do, let's take it back to the beginning. Can you tell us a bit about your background and like where you grew up? I'm a Sydney girl, so I was born and bred here and I've actually never left Sydney. So I think I'm kind of unusual in that. I think everybody our age has, has left town at some point. Grew up in the Sydney suburbs uh, with a brother and a sister and family and all of that. Always creative? You know, I think that's an interesting question. I don't think I even knew what that meant as a child, you know, but if I look back, I would say in my family, there was always a lot of sewing. So I was always really into textile and I was always making. So I think, you know, sort of making and doing was really my entree into the creative world. I definitely didn't know what design was or understand that there was a design world out there until much later in life. Yeah. But growing up, there was a lot of making and doing and and sewing and embroidery and that sort of thing around. So I think that was probably more where my creativity started. So who was the sewer in your family? My family from Sudan. So my parents came out in the 70s just before we were born. So growing up, my mum made all her own clothes because everybody made all their own clothes. And my grandmother was a seamstress. So my dad's mum was a seamstress. So it's sort of on both sides of the family. And I grew up with clothes that they both made me, wearing all the things that they had made for themselves in the past. When they first came to Australia, my grandmother worked for David Jones as a seamstress and was making clothes when they first got here. So 
it was very much a part of both sides of the family and she taught me to embroider we used to sit around doing little you know all the different little stitches and knots and flowers with mum we were always making dolls clothes so we'd cut patterns you know out of all the scraps of fabric and make I remember making a little bolero jacket with a matching circle skirt for one of my dolls it was just always around me amazing was it ever an option to go fashion direction look for me I don't think I even understood what fashion was either. For me, sewing was just doing rather than designing. So when I was looking into the creative industries later, I always wanted to study textile design. It was actually the textile itself that really excited me rather than what was going to be done with it later. And I think it's still a really big part of our current practice and a a big part of what inspires me in our interior work is just that love of textile and print and you know, lace and all the, all the kind of beautiful intricacies that come with textile. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So when you left school, what did you want to do? Did you go into textiles? I studied interior architecture. So by oh. the time I'd finished school, I, I understood that there was the world of design. When I was in about year nine, I think I was 14 or 15, our family did a little renovation and, you know, just the builder came around and it was very basic kitchen, bathroom kind of job. And at the end, my mum asked this woman to come and help make curtains. Always made all our own curtains until then. Yeah. And she turned up with this van full of amazing fabrics. She had it like an actual panel van full of fabric and she brought it all into the house and she showed us all these things. And I remember looking into that van and thinking, wow, what's this world? And that was, that was when I really understood that there was something out there that that was a job. That, you know, bringing together beautiful things was someone's job. And I'd never really understood that before. So I think that was when I started to think, oh, maybe that's what I'll do when I grow up. So I did end up studying interior architecture at UNSW. That was, that was what I went into and had that very linear progression, school, uni, work, and just kept going in the industry. And so what was, what was your first job like? What My first job was with Cracknell and Lonergan Architects. They're in, um, still in Newtown in Sydney and Camperdown. And they're a small firm. They do lots of really interesting residential work. And Peter Lonergan was my you know, my boss and my mentor there. And I was the first interior designer that had ever worked there. So it was a small architecture practice. And he really took me under his wing and he had this kind of intense love of colour and art and I think that was the first time I understood that residential interiors could be incredibly creative. I'd always thought that that was, you know, going through uni, you know, we wanted to do retail and commercial things and I thought that was the big bad world of design and I thought, oh, doing kitchens and bathrooms would be okay. But as soon as I got that entree into the residential world, I started to get the real kind of privilege of it and the joy of it. And it just sparked something in my imagination that I didn't, I didn't think it would. Peter had a really interesting way of bringing materials together and of really understanding the truth of very, very simple things done well. And yeah. I think that has, that has really stayed with me. So that was my very first role. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And then, so what point did you meet Juliet? And when did you guys click? Well, when I left Peter's studio, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd been there for a few years. I was still quite young. And I had some friends that had started a collective studio in Surrey Hills. And they said, why don't you grab a desk with us? And a project turned up, as they sometimes do. And I just started out on my own. 
with very little clue, I'll have to say, but really winging it and just going for it. And I'd always said, oh, you know, by 30, I'd like to have my own business. And I think at this point I was about 25. So I was like, oh, this is a bit, bit of a jump start. But anyway, we'll just go. That's always it. like, it's always a scary age when you're at that age. You're like, oh God, yeah. 25, like what am I doing with my life? And then it's like, yeah. well, you're a baby still then. <laughs> but I think in the way that I'm sure it's the same for a lot of creatives, an opportunity turns up and you think, well, I'll just, I'll just give it a crack. I'll see how I go. And I did do that on my own for a couple of years and I really enjoyed that. And I was in a shared studio with some other really fantastic designers. And then I ended up taking a job with Sarah Davison and Juliet was working there and that was where we met. And we started working together and collaborating and the project that we were working on there was sort of coming to an end. I was getting married and sort of, you know, moving on in my own personal life and thought, oh, I think I'm ready to go back out on my own. And Juliet and I started to say, well, maybe we could do something together. And that was really how it all started. We'd been working really closely together at that point. So... Yeah, it was a really great start. And so during, you know, your career, has there been any sort of tough times, any challenges that you've had along the way, like growing, maybe growing the business? So we've had the business now 13 years. Not a lot in 13 years. (laughs) Thank you. It feels like a long time sometimes and sometimes it feels really quick. And obviously we've both had our children during that time and we've done some big things in our personal lives. I think you know, reflecting on the 13 years, the toughest time is often when something really amazing happens and you've achieved something really big and then you have to work out what's next. I think in business, you're always trying to propel and move forward and... Yeah, up um, the ante. Yeah. Yeah, up the ante. And I think even possibly after we had our... When we kind of had our 10-year moment and we were like, wow, look at how far we've come and we sort of looked back and we looked forward and we we really tried to celebrate that moment because it's hard to hang on to those moments. But I think possibly the year after that felt quite flat. I was like, oh, what are we doing now? It is that constant need to up your energy. I think that is the toughest thing in business. We're really lucky to have a partnership and we know that. So Juliet and I can always rely on each other and feed off each other, which is this incredible thing about being in in a partnership rather than being on your own. And then we've built this great team. So we have so many beautiful people that work with us. Amazing. And in those tough times, you just kind of come back to that and think, well, this is what we're doing. We're here doing it all together and we'll, we'll work out the next thing. Yeah. I think, as you said, so many creatives can get to that point where they have a big job and then it ends and then you're like, now what? Now what's next? Like I've got to find something else to get excited about. But yeah. And I think it's, it's important even if you work alone to have people to bounce those ideas off. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we recognized really early on, and I think it's because we started as a creative partnership, just the two of us in the early days is that we both really enjoy the collaborative process with our team. So we have a very flat structure in the business. We have a very collaborative environment. So 10 of us at the moment, we take a lot from everybody that works with us and we bring that, you know, through all the project work. So, you know, we've got our associate Genevieve who's been with us for seven years now. So she's a huge part of the creative team here. And we've been lucky enough to have lots of our team for, for many years. And, you know, some of them have moved on and done other things and we can kind of recognize what everybody's brought into the business at different times. But we love and get a lot of energy from that part of, of the business, which is just working together with people and sharing ideas. That sort of takes us into where you guys are at the moment, into the present. So 
We're talking about colour this season and we wanted to talk to you because Arendt Pike are not afraid to use colour in a space. How would you describe that style and your approach to the use of colour? Look, for Juliet and I, colour is just pure joy. It's pure joy and pure emotion. And you'll never find anybody who's sort of ambivalent about colour. Either you love it or you hate it or you, you know, whatever that emotion is, it brings it up. And neither of us can imagine a life without all of that kind of energy that you get from colour. So one of our kind of favourite things is is the combination of colours, the way different colours express against each other and the way you can bring something together with that combination. So I think that's really important to us and sort of is how we like to use colour in a more nuanced way that has subtlety and has sophistication. So sometimes the colour is quite strong and quite bright, but at other times I think it's just creating a backdrop or a mood to a space. I think I've noticed sort of over the recent years that you have become much more bold with the use of colour. And, you know, like you're saying, you sort of up the ante each time. I feel like I've noticed that with your projects, that you've just become, you get more and more creative and confident with your use of colour. It's twofold. One is that we become more confident with it and that we just own it a little bit more every time. And we do try and develop our own sensibility. But also because we've been doing this for a long time, we've been bringing people along that journey with us and we have clients who are coming to us looking for that and looking to be pushed more in that direction, looking for more daring solutions. So I think the whole industry's moved in that way. I think certainly our portfolio has moved in that direction and that always brings more of that to us. So it's, it's certainly about, I think, the whole zeitgeist. I think people are just ready to be more bold. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're certainly ready to lead them in that direction. We're very happy to do that. And Australian, like Australian homes and the use of colour can sometimes be, like people can be really cautious with it. Like yeah. I feel like for so long the sort of public have been taught to go white walls because you're going to resell this home and get your grey couch because you're going to, it's good for resale and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. But then you're taking out all the personality that mm. is a home. Yeah. I think that is actually a real barrier, certainly in Sydney, to the way people decorate and renovate their homes is that they're always thinking about when they're going to leave. Mm. And we try and encourage our clients to think about what they're going to get from it in that time. And I get that, you know, your home is a really big investment and so people see that side of it. So our most successful projects and our best collaborations are usually with clients who are prepared to stay, who are thinking about their home as a long-term home. And that definitely feeds into the decisions that you're willing to make or, you know, will dare to make. On the flip side of that, you know, things change all the time. We'll have clients who intended to stay forever, who's who've then sold on two years later and you find that when you design something with real love and beauty and joy in it, it appeals to everybody. Yeah, Mm, that's true. That's so interesting. So where do you find your sort of colour inspiration for each project? What's that process like? Inspiration is such an interesting one, isn't it? Because Mm. it's it's just so pervasive. It's in everything that you do. And I think, you know, you guys would know it's the part of your brain that never switches off. It's that thing that you're constantly (laughs) assessing. In recent years, I've become more intentional about, about some of those things rather than just instinctive. 
Yeah. Certainly it's about experience and past experience and building on things that you've seen successfully done in the past. I mean, I'm always assessing anywhere that I am. If I love something, I'm like, but why? What has brought yeah, this to my attention? What is it that I love about that? Yeah. yeah, what is it that I love about it? And I think I can almost do that subconsciously in a snap now. You know, it's not a very conscious thought process, but I think that that's the information that you're always banking in, in the back of your mind. And then, you know, often a colour scheme will be sparked by some incredible material or some incredible textile and something that you just see the spirit of and think, gosh, I can really see this moment in this space and what would I build around it to make that a success? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that. Is there a particular colour that you love working with? Do you have a favourite colour? That's like asking if I have a favourite child. Um, I only have one child. I should clarify, and he is my favourite. No, you do have one. (laughs) It has changed so much over the years, and I have found this really fascinating. I would say even at the beginning of our practice, Juliet and I both agreed, we're like, we just don't decorate with blue. Blue's a great colour, but I'd never decorate with blue. Whereas Mm. I've seen so much blue come into our work in the last, you know, over the 13 years and surprised myself with that and I love that because the light changes the the space changes and so color always changes for me I mean I personally love purples I love every kind of shade of plum purple maroon like real daggy colors that's what I absolutely love but I wouldn't wear it and I wouldn't put it in an interior but you know maybe on a textile maybe on a little trim it's really interesting so what you love and what you want to see in a room can be very very different things totally well see purple was my no-go color for so long and then now all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I kind of love lilacs and lavenders. and I'm like, oh, maybe that's yeah. the purple I need. Definitely about shade and tone, isn't it? Especially yeah. in interiors. I think it's all about shade and tone. And sometimes it's about language. I mean, there are some colours that we rename in order to present them back to the world, you know. Yes, Nobody absolutely. likes mustard, but some people like saffron. You know, sometimes you can get through turmeric, but never mustard. So you've got, to, you've got to actually, there's a little bit of language, a little bit of linguistic play when you're working with so colour. And, you know, we've found over the years so many times that you can have a colour conversation and there's no point in having a colour conversation. It has to be visual. So a client who says to me, I hate green, I absolutely hate green, and then shows you her favourite grey and you're like, that's sage green. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a real example. She was like, but I love this grey. And when we finally found something that was that colour, I was like, that's green. It's sage. Yeah. But words are not important, actually, when it comes to that. It's about getting that visual right with people. Yes. So going back to just the collaboration process, what is that like between you and Juliet and your team? How does it all work? Look, it's, it's changed a lot over the years. And, you know, in the early days, Juliet and I sat side by side, Bobsy twins, we did everything together and we were constantly, you know, talking and playing and working through things together. Obviously, as the team's grown over the years, there's less of that, but we've developed a shorthand and I guess there's sort of a, a mutual aesthetic that yeah. we can see each of our own personal influence on. And I think that that's the same then when you work with your team, as you grow together as a team, there are things that are overriding and certainly come from Juliet and I. And then there are all of these sort of beautiful elements that come from others and start to be a collective Arendt and Pike aesthetic. And certainly working with Genevieve for such a long time, her imprint is within a lot of the projects. And it's the same with the whole team. 
you know, as I said, we love the energy of everybody's ideas. So everybody brings things to the fore and then there's an editing process that happens between Juliet and I, but it's yeah. definitely a collaborative joint effort. Mm. So when it comes to your home, you talk about like the collective sort of Aunt and Pike aesthetic. Is your home just the Pike aesthetic then? <laughs> or does it change yeah, for sure. to personal? Oh, look, a little. I think personally I am a little bit more erratic than I think I would ask any of our clients to be. I always say that, you know, for me, the rule is that there are no rules. I just, I don't really like doing anything in a particularly ordered way, but the business has to be very ordered. And as a designer, you have to be very ordered. But in my personal life, I like things to be a little bit more shambolic. Um, (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) that's just the truth. So at home, look, I've got a very layered home, as I'm sure you can imagine. Almost all of my furniture is vintage. It's all things that I've collected over many, many years. And a lot of objects and a lot of books and, you know, (laughs) growing an art collection that I love. And it's very small. I have a very small home and I don't aspire to anything bigger. I quite like that it's um, compact and recently moved and, you know, painted. And I chose this incredible kind of strange sludgy green for my bedroom, which I never, never predicted. But in that space, it felt right. And I've been loving it. You know, at home I can be relaxed I can just be yeah yes. chill about the whole thing mm. yeah amazing I'd love to see a sneaky peek of your home <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll send you one I'll send oh, you a little snack. I'm awesome. lamp obsessed I, I have know. more lamps than I can fit the only reason I want a bigger place is to get more lamps in what is it about lamps like that is the one thing that I'm just like, oh, I just need another lamp and my partner's no. like no where where is it going look I'm obsessed by the quality of light I have six lamps in my tiny little lounge kitchen. There's six different (laughs) ones. Um, And I've had them all wired in, so they're all switched on. So the overhead lights, which are also beautiful, don't go on very often. But (laughs) all the different combinations of lamps go on. Yeah, my partner's constantly fascinated by that as well. We call them layers of lighting here. We always go, oh, we need layers of light, layers of light. Totally. And it's that warm glow, isn't it? I don't want anything kind of brightly lit. I want glowing in all the different corners. And it makes me really happy to just go, oh, just move that lamp over a little bit. I think, oh, I like the way it's on the bars now. You know, that's probably what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of home, last year was difficult for a lot of people. How did that affect the business? Like, what did you guys have to do to adapt yeah we all had to go home as everybody did and luckily it wasn't very long in Sydney I think we were home for two or three months in the end but it pushed us to move into a more digital format for a lot of the work that we do it pushed us on collaboration as a team I think that was the hardest thing not having each other to bounce against mm. and not having our studio full of materials and all the things that the tactile things that kind of bring it together so I think by the end of the working from home period everybody had their own kind of personal library at home and there were lots of slack messages saying who's got the blah 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 and you'd be like oh I've got that hanger I've got that (laughs) and we're doing kind of drop-offs from house to house because you need some of those things with you we really missed connecting with clients face to face I think that was definitely the hardest thing I mean we managed so well it was an incredible kind of testament to resilience I think 
And yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, our team were just unbelievable, just took it in their stride and kept going. But missing clients, I think, was really hard and missing each other and missing being together and, and working together and that collective energy, I think, was really hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely an interesting time. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, is there anything that you have taken from that that you now use now that you're back in the office? Mm, it definitely, we evolved so quickly. I think, as I said, digitally, we got onto all sorts of tech things that were really helping us. We worked out how to Zoom, of course. <laughs> so we learned how to do all of that. I think it taught us a respect for each other's time. We're so used to saying, oh, can I chat to you about this? Can I grab you on this? And because we weren't together, we had to schedule all of that time in and think about, you know, it, it was quite clear when you really needed to say, oh, I've reached the end of what I can do. I need to call in so-and-so to move this forward I need to double check on this so I think it really taught us to examine how we collaborate we know that we do that very naturally but how we do it and what the processes are for that and that's something we've tried to kind of introduce in a more structured way now that we're back in the office yeah and everybody's working a little bit more from home we've got really one day a week mostly that people are working from home and a little bit more flexibility around time but yeah, it's been nice. interesting how quickly you just fall back into your old pattern of turning up nine to six and getting yeah. on with the day it's it's been fascinating actually how quickly we rebounded yeah yeah if you're hiring someone to join your team what do you look for when you're hiring you've built your team over the years what are the special things that you look for there's a couple so attitude you know we look for people who have got that real drive and interest yes. in what they're doing yeah and just a certain sparkle in personality we know that we're a strong group of women and you need to kind of be able to mix in that world yeah, we'd love yeah. some guys to apply feel free guys it's not a girl's <laughs> only um, come on down but we're definitely looking for that cultural fit. And I think yeah. what's been interesting is that in interviews in the last two or three years, I've found that everybody who comes in to meet us is asking about culture and asking about the business in that way. Yeah, that's right. I think that's been a real change in the workforce in general that everybody's yeah. starting to understand, not just last year, but, you know, the last few years that work is about your whole life and how you integrate that and I think that's something we've always understood and really put at the core of the business which is that it's here to support our lives everybody who works in the business and then in turn our clients you know it's part of that process we're trying to create a life for people in their homes and therefore that's part of how we run the practice and how we want everyone here to enjoy their work life I guess so yeah. we're looking for a cultural fit and we're just looking for that spark of creativity. People have got their own ideas and are kind of excited and interested in art and architecture. There are lots of different things, but sometimes just really gut instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any projects that you look back on that you, you know, real standouts for you or anything even exciting coming ahead? I think there were a few kind of turning point ones or ones that really kind of stood out at the time. The Avenue, which we worked on around 2010, yeah. 11. With Tom Ferguson, the architect, oh, yeah. um, it was a beautiful heritage home and we just got to do something really special there. Great clients who we're still in touch with, which is really nice. I think that was a real standout project in terms of what we were able to achieve as a team on that one. You know, recently we've done some really fantastic things. I've been working with a family in Queenstown for the last three years and as soon as we're allowed to, I'll be on a plane to see that house completed. 
that's been tough. That was really hard last year, not, not being there for the end of that build. But that's a really fabulous one that we've enjoyed. And I think one of the real kind of joys has been working with clients again and again. You know, when we've been in business long enough, we've seen people move on to their next home and their next home or things change in their family and personal life and things change at home. And, you know, when you get that call to say, oh, Sarah Jane, do you want to work with us again? We're doing this now. Um, it's always <laughs> yeah. really exciting. It's really nice. So I think that's been a real joy for me is working with people over a long time. I think I've just got up on our screen here. I think it's the Bronte Beach House project. Mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. It's an image that I just keep going back to over and over again. Yeah. It's amazing balance of pattern and colour and different shapes and everything. I keep staring at this yeah. picture and getting lost yeah. in it all the time. So that's <laughs> something that, you know. I love that home. I yeah, mean, I love them all. Beautiful. I love that one. Put that yeah. up on the Instagram. It's yeah. so, yeah, it's a stunning yeah. And you probably definitely have seen it before oh, as well, you know. It's shared everywhere. Well, thank you. That one, I think, really struck me. It was a project where it was everything you need and nothing you don't. You know, it was a beautifully composed house. It was just right and the clients were gorgeous. And, you know, but we were able to make real changes that transformed those spaces, real material changes that changed the way they lived there, the way the light came in, the way their kids did their homework and they ate their dinner and those very everyday tangible things that make a big difference, I think, in your life. So it was a real success, that one, from my perspective in that, in that sense. It must be rewarding, you know, when you finish a project that you are transforming people's lives and the way that they live. That must feel amazing. Every time you finish a project, do you sort of have that sort of bit of a high? Look, often you do. And I think one of the things that happens throughout a project is you get to know people so well. You know, some of yeah. the projects go on for a very long time and you know people very well and you really are creating something for them. We're enjoying it, but we're just an instrument. We're just a channel that it's flowing through. The house moves yeah, you know, yeah. through us and back to them. And so it is the most important part of the process. And, yeah, we've had some fantastic kind of moments of that over the years, definitely. The project we've just completed in Dali Road, the Dali House, which we've just started putting a few images out, was definitely one of those, you know, and just such a gorgeous client and working with her over the period, we got to know her and realised we are creating a really special place for her and that, that gave me incredible satisfaction. Yeah, mm. amazing. That's so nice. We'll go into the future now, but sort of still looking back, <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? Can you use that? Just have a bit more fun. Yeah. have a bit more fun. <laughs> you know, I, not that I didn't have fun, but with your career, you know, with your yeah. thoughts about the future, I think knowing that there's just so much kind of good energy in this industry, there's so many kind of amazing things you can achieve and to know that... It was all going to be okay, I'm sure. Worry a bit less. Go and yeah. worry a bit less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Something that between the two of us, we sort of talk about a lot is what are we doing next? And is it a short-term goal? Is it a long-term goal? As a business or as an individual, do you plan in like bigger picture sort of goals, five years, one year, five year, that sort of thing? Yeah, we do both. So we 
Juliet and I always try and challenge ourselves for those big vision moments. You know, what is the big idea? What's the big vision? And then you're always stepping towards that in all the little bits. And there are some goals which are very focused on, you know, my gosh, we really want some new software this year. And that's, that's something I'm focused on right now. And that's a small goal. But when we're looking at sort of the next 10 years, which is what we do, we're talking at the moment about trying to bring design into something which is really important to us, which is the way that we can create health and sustainability and health for the planet and health for ourselves through the environments that we create. So it's going to be a little, a little kind of sideways shifting of the business where we're looking towards how we can integrate what we think are the really important values of home into the homes that we create. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the really big picture. And, you know, there'll be lots of different ways that we attack that, I guess, over the years. It's funny because last year when we were talking to other designers and creatives in the last season, I feel like there was a lot of talk about moving towards like really focusing on sustainability. Yeah. And then 2020 happened and it all yeah. sort of, the conversations all changed yeah, to what last year was. So it's, yeah. it's interesting that like, no, those things are still important and we still need to think about them. They're still important. And I yeah. think when we can understand the connection between the health of the planet and the health of us as individuals, that whole conversation is going to change. Mm. And they're not two separate things. And I think... You know, in some ways, interior design, it's hard to be super sustainable in what we do. And that's the challenge that we're finding. We talk about longevity and doing things well and having things with staying power and really creating lasting environments. And that's really important. But we want to look kind of further into the quality of light we bring into a space, how the air moves in a space, whether the materials that we're using are going to have that longevity or whether they're going to have some kind of toxic effect on us and how we can integrate that. So that's our challenge at the moment, I think. We'll move on to the fast five questions now. First one, what is your favourite project? And this is going to be like favourite child. I think it's often what I'm working on right now. My favourite project Gosh, of all time, possibly the Alex Hotel. I think that was a big shift for us. Is there a brand or a product that you're loving at the moment? So many, but I'm obsessed with Zone from London, all the beautiful woven rattan pieces that just got this incredible legacy and they're still so modern. I just, for me, they're heaven. What's your favourite place to eat in Sydney? I'm sure this is a popular response, but Sean's is my favourite place to eat in Sydney. I love to sit in that room, surrounded by that artwork, and just eat the most incredibly simple food done brilliantly. It's still on my list. I'm like, I'm dying to go. I'll see you there tonight. Let's go. Yeah, Come on, no, let's, okay. let's do You've it. You've got to do it. It's like life's too short. Life's too short. You've got to get to Sean's. Absolutely. There, there you go. I'm there. Do you guys have a dream collaboration or a dream project that... A&P would love to work on? Gosh, I think what we were talking about before is really what we're dreaming up at the moment. We're dreaming up a collaboration where we can work on something that feels really authentic and true. So, you know, one of the collaborators I'd love to work with is the Sociable Weaver, who are a building and sustainability firm, doing some great work in the design sphere. And I think, you know, being able to pursue something where we were driving the agenda would be really exciting. Yeah. yeah, watch this space. Can't wait to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we can one day travel again, one day, <laughs> one day, what is your dream holiday destination? 
At the moment, I am really excited about going to Sri Lanka. I've wanted to go there for a long time and it's sort of really come to the top of the list. I think we've all been thinking about that, like where would I go if I could go? Where would I actually go? And uh, I just think the heritage, the architecture, the landscape, the food, all of it is really exciting to me about Sri Lanka. I think it'd be right out of my comfort zone, which is also really exciting. Mm. And I think, I mean, it's quite tempting to just go back to the Italian coast and Mm. swim in that sea, but (laughs) I think to be a bit more challenged would be really exciting. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This has been amazing. Um, it's so lovely to chat with you. It's yeah, awesome. we both really love what you and Juliet do. So it's great to get the insight into the behind the scenes a bit and can't wait to see what's coming next. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks so much to Sarah Jane for joining us on the House of Style. You can follow Arndt and Pike on Instagram at Arndt Pike Studio. For more info and to see our style edit inspired by one of their projects, click the link in the description for our website. You can find us on Instagram at House of Style Podcast. And remember to share the podcast with your friends and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks so much for stopping by the House of Style. House of Style is powered by Logitech and Blue Microphones. Thank you to Lucy Stevens for our artwork pro podcast productions for our post-production and Samantha Poynton for our social media.